as we cover many an insane movie and numerous cult TV phenomenons. Are you ready to get jacked up? Are you with us? Then listen on. Six years ago, I was taken out of prison and forced by a covert unit of the government to be an assassin. Three years ago, I escaped and have been hunted ever since. I was the first recruit to get out. I'm going to make certain I'm not the last. The secret division of the CIA has lost the most dangerous weapon. Now, their mission is to find her before she destroys them. Nikita. They told me I'd be serving my country. They didn't tell me was they were training me to be an assassin. It was a year of training before my first mission. Everything to make me the best killer I could be, which I was, until I broke one of their rules. I fell in love. The civilian, his name was Daniel. That division couldn't have that. So they killed him, made it look like an accident. I want to send them a message. It ends now. Giving you a new assignment. Nikita. Nikita. She's back on the grid. Sprung one of our mousetraps. I want you to hunt her down, and I want you to confirm the kill. Do you think you can do that this time? What do you think? It's Nikita. It's definitely her. Position is unchanged. Use caution, she will be armed. Bye, Nikki. Target on the move, north gate, north gate! You seriously think you can burn down division all on your own? Who says I'm on my own? I'm not hiding anymore. 
let a piece of street trash slow down this organization. All operations are gone. You were free. You had gotten out. You were gone. What the hell are you doing back here? Somebody has to stop division. Spare me, Nikita. I know you're in this for revenge. I warned you not to get emotionally attached. You mean the way you did with me? Don't. Find her. All right, Nikita, she doesn't want to be found. It's next to impossible. You can go quiet or the other way. It's your choice. No, Percy, it's yours. And you just made it. Here we go. Nikita, coming this fall. Welcome, welcome back. Another exclusive episode that we are doing on a cult franchise. I got podcasting after darks and two dollar late fees. Zach Schaefer. Hey, happy to be here. Woohoo! Alrighty. So, this first time guest, I always just allow everyone to just kind of do a little quick introduction. I've been following Zach's, you know, many shows for two years now. Really dig his style and just how he just breathes the. Uh, just life into just forgotten pop culture and how it affects his own persona, his talented voice acting career. Uh, how are you, my man? I'm doing great. I'm happy to be on your show and thank you for having me, first of all. And yeah, man, it's, uh, I can't believe it's been two years that I've been doing these different podcasts and voice acting for around the same amount of time. Um, yeah, podcasting after dark and $2 late fee are my two sister wives or sister husbands, I guess, uh, <laughs> depending on uh, where you lean. Um, I, I, Podcasting After Dark is a cult movie deep dive. Uh, we, we break down movies scene by scene, and it's a whole lot of fun, whole lot of work, but all for good. And then $2 Late Fee. $2 Late Fee is a super nostalgic 80s romp. Uh, we take a movie and a song from that movie, and then the year the movie was released, Mm -hmm. uh, and talk about it and then we uh, interview celebrities and actors and directors from connected with the movies that we love and, i couldn't uh, believe you got the one latina guy from nightmare on elm street and we oh, were Jay soldiers Zou. i was like i thought he had just left the movie industry altogether yeah jesus garcia for those that don't know his name was nick Corey in the 80s and uh that's a wild story uh yeah he's he tells some crazy tales about growing up in the industry in the 80s uh, and he's now like a spiritual advisor, kind of. Um, and it's a, it's a crazy story. Really good guy. We've interviewed everybody from like that guy to we have Richard a, upcoming. Tyson. <laughs> yeah, I mean we've 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 you you name it. We've met them or interviewed them. We interviewed. Uh, we have an upcoming interview with Barry Bostwick. And for those that oh, don't sweet. know, he you know he was in Spin City and Rocky Horror Picture Show, but a movie called Megaforce in the '80s that <laughs> I love. HBO is, still plays it to this day. They, they, you know, they secretly love it. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, for, if you've never seen Megaforce, you should check it out. But uh, yeah, I have a lot of fun on those shows. And did he tell you about the German fan club? I think he might have. Yeah, uh, the interview <laughs> drops by the time this airs. The interview will probably drop, or it may drop a week after, depending on when you air this. But um, he's oh, got. Yeah, he told some stories about the underwear that he sells on his website. So. Uh, <laughs> 
It's I'm telling you, That's it's very, a wild story. And the guy is, is, very, a, hoot, is a hoot. So, uh, but I'm happy to be on your show, man. It's always a pleasure to be asked to be on a show that it's not my own. <laughs> right. No homework. No having to do the timing. <laughs> a little bit of homework. You know, I, I, do I a know, bit but you don't research. have to insert the promos and all that, everything and say, all right, and time. And now we're going to do this part. Of the <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's actually, it's kind of, it's very relaxing to be on a, uh, a show as a guest for once in once in a while. Totally. Okay. So we all love tackling just some cult. Let's talk about franchises, including ones that have just taken on multiple different forms, whether it's a reboot or just loose update. In this case, it is Luke Besson's La Femme Nikita, a 1990 assassin film. It was later re hashed as a USA Network cable TV show in the late 90s that ran for five seasons and then was followed by many years later as a once again another Vancouver shot Toronto shot uh, CW Network show that also ran for about four seasons so um, what got you into just before we get into how your introduction to the character and the movies and the initial show um, what made you just kind of a fan of just spy, saboteur, assassin stuff outside of just, you know, your usual action or horror obsessions? Well, th this particular um, character and series and shows, I think, was brought out because of my love of uh, French New Wave cinema. I was a mm. film student and nice. um, really, you know... Obviously, if, if you're a film student, you go through these classes, you learn about German Expressionism and French New Wave. And yes. French New Wave was the one that I latched onto, where it's like, this I dig. And um, my teacher at the time, you know, showed me Diva, which is a beautiful, like, yes. kind of French noir film. Great, great soundtrack, too, by the way. Um, and she's like, well, if you like this, you should check out this guy named Luc Besson. And I saw oh, yeah. uh, Big Blue. It was the first movie I saw of his which I own on uh, Blu-ray. Just, oh, if you want to see something, if you, a movie like to like visually stimulate you before you go to bed in a good way to have good dreams, that's a movie to watch. Totally. But uh, Subway, um, The Big Blue. And then I saw Nikita and La Femme Nikita. And I loved that. Uh, you know, I felt like that movie fired on all cylinders. Obviously, he really owned The Professional. Um, and then, you know, I saw that movie point of, uh, point of, point of no return. Oh dear. With, uh, <laughs> I knew we were going to get to it sooner. <laughs> for we had to, right? <laughs> we love Bridget point Fonda, of impact, but I've yeah. never seen anyone even defend that. Not even on IMDb. It's just one of those, it's kind of just, it just shows you, you can have a great amount of set design locations and giant cast, cast. and crew. And it just, it's not going to ignite. And I, that unfortunately was my how I became to know it. I saw would always see parts oh. of it on shit like TNT or the Oxygen channels and be like, "This is a very uninvolving attempt at a sexy assassin movie." I'm not sure what I'm watching. I'm gonna change the channel now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, that could like that could ruin it for you because that movie. That movie came, I have, these, I have this love-hate relationship with movies in the 90s. Uh, I either love movies from the 90s or I despise them with a passion. And what sucks with one, a remake is people always assume, well, it must have been a remake of a really bad movie. I'm like, no! <laughs> Not yeah, even. It wasn't. There's even it was been, a remake of a great movie. A 
right? totally. There's great remakes that were, you know, originated from infamous or bad movies. And it's just like, or movies that you just didn't care for because the new version just took off so much better, you know? It's so now they're remaking totally. TV shows now. There's like, there's this show with Brian Cranston where he plays like a judge who has to resort to corruption to keep his criminal bound kid out of trouble. And it's like, a remake of a Israeli show or something like that. And it's been remade. Oh, like, really? Every other country, much like Homeland. Everyone's got their own version of Criminal Minds or CSI nowadays or Sopranos. It's, it's just batshit crazy how a lot of them, it used to be you had to like wait a while, I guess, to get the rights to remake it. But now it's like they just popped right on in there. <laughs> wow. Wow. Kind well, of like you know, The Office. Everyone's got their own version of it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, you know, the thing about, the thing about um, point, of, point of No Return was that it was directed by John Badham. John Badham is a really good director. Uh, he did War Games. He did a great an 80s movie I love called American Flyers. Uh, great sense like of humor said, about himself, much like Joe Dante and all those other guys. And unfortunately, yeah. he kind of fell off the face of the earth. He, Both he and Dante would even admit, it's like, yep, I'm doing a show I do like. And then there's this other one. I'm going to do five episodes to pay the bills. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And probably that probably was the case with Point of No Return, which Luc Besson wrote. You know, you would think that it was untouchable. You got Gabriel Byrne in early role when he was taken off and on fire. And it's like, I don't know why it doesn't work, but it doesn't. I'll take it back. I do know why it works, but it has nothing to do with the fact that it's a remake or anything. It's just one of those where it just seems very disconnected and overly confusing yeah. for a movie that wasn't all that confusing. So you're just wondering what, <laughs> what changed. Yeah, I, you know, um, it was funny. I was looking at the cast earlier today, and I forgot that uh, Dermot Mul Dermot Mulroney is in it, right? And he's in that show Hannah right now on um, uh, Amazon Prime, which is which is the, the 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 television version of the movie that Luc Besson was a part of, right? So there you go with uh, or totally, and so. I just love, I, I do, it's interesting that that show is a female assassin show, right? Yeah. Um, but those, these shows, that show, uh, the movie with Charlize Theron that came out a few years ago. Oh, The Old Guard? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Th these movies would not have come out if it wasn't for Lefem Nikita. Yeah, I, I doubt it. And I mean, that was also kind of a regurgitation of the Highlander thing. So yeah, I mean... So, I mean, Joel, we'll circle around a bit, guys. But, yeah, uh, I think what was interesting about the TV show is, I mean, it was made by people who had seen it. The creator wasn't crazy about the movie, but yeah, he he knew what he did like about it. He had worked, you know, Joel Cernow, you know, before he created 24 and then later, you know, retired after eight seasons of that. Uh, he... Uh, mainly you know had worked as like a story editor on Miami Vice and one of the head writers on the 80s version of the equalizer so he pretty much understood grit and everything and yeah great both great was, shows right and i mean that show launched so many careers i mean and had some interesting guest stars Marjean Holden from uh one of the Mortal Kombat movies in Jurassic World was an assassin in one episode Bruce Payne of all people from Master 57 you know yeah. <laughs> And like a brief recurring role. So it was an interesting just showing how you didn't have to go to the James Bond formula to make a creative spy show. And uh, have you listened to the soundtrack by itself? Yes, it's killer.
Ah, oh, that guitar, so good. man, just ricocheted back and forth with the percussion. And I can see why Sean Calvary just became a big, giant guy. I mean, he even scored a James Bond video game, which was really a cool cover of this theme. And Oh, I didn't know that. Cool. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm really not surprised that he's taken off, scored endless other shows like Bones and Designated Survivor. He knows how to mix in electronic music with piano and other in- trumpet-filled intensity. So. Yeah, yeah, I I read that he was influenced by uh, Iggy Pop's "Lust for Life." Oh, you know, I can see a bit of that in there. It's definitely with the piano. Oh my gosh! Yeah, for sure. Beautiful. For sure. You, you can hear every beat. Yeah, the the thing about the show, which was interesting, besides what you just just mentioned, um, was the fact that you know, yeah, the, the source material they changed it up. You know, where they they the the main character. Uh, in the original film, she was a murderer. Uh, in this, she was innocent and claiming her innocence throughout. Right. And it's, it's an interesting twist. Um, you know, but, but I thought for certain for the longest time, uh, Roy Dupuis. Um, Who you guys reviewed in the movie Screamers. Yeah. And Screamers was my intro to him, but I always knew he was a giant Canadian face. He was in this other stupid demonic thriller movie for Richard Hauer around the same time. But yeah, he was a big Canadian face, and this was pretty much his foot in the door. Yeah. He was handsome. And uh, yeah, and Peter Wilson is like, after this, like we were saying when Preppin just disappeared, like she appears in Leader Extraordinary Gentleman, Superman Returns, then vanishes. I'm like, what the hell happened? Did she just say fuck acting or what? Well, well, there's there's a rumor. Um, so I, I, as I was digging in on this, uh, you know, like like you had mentioned, the show lasted five seasons. Um, the ratings were slowly going down. Right? Mm-hmm. They weren't. It it's wasn't cable. doing that great. It's not, yep. Never as big an increase. And I was always confused by it because didn't it get sold into syndication as well? Because I know it was Warner Brother produced. You know, yep. for USA. And I could have sworn I would see a, a casual. I don't know. My memory might be failing me here. I could have sworn I saw something on a local WB back before it was the CW channel once in a while. But I knew about the show even before it was released on DVD because even though I had never seen a frame of it, just GeoCities were dedicated to just endless stuff. So I always knew about the show in some capacity. So I didn't have any ability to rerun and my parents would have never been watching it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I remember, I remember when it came out, I, I did watch it uh, quite religiously, the first season was really into it, um, mm-hmm. and then I guess I guess she, the, uh, Peta, kind of started getting, according to like the articles and such, that she was getting a little bit of a big head, mm. and she was like allegedly was offered right. She was allegedly offered the role of uh, Jean Grey in the X Men movie. Uh, X Men, don't do it. That and money, she wanted baby. out of her contract, <laughs> and the producers refused. Uh, she did not get the role in X-Men, obviously. Mm. And this kind of, according to this article, blacklisted her for the rest of her Hollywood career, which oh kind of makes sense. So um, she wanted to leap from a show. And did they actually have like a five-year contract in place, according to this rumor? You think? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. That'll um, do it. You, you kill the contract. You know, it's just, it's the same thing when you hear about these directors who, even though they 
been basically abused by the Hollywood system and had their artistic vision violated by, you know, being fired and everything. Some of them will just at that point say, screw fame, you know, I'll just work on an independent movie. You fucked my vision. And yeah, I will say uh, on $2 late fee and and podcasting after dark, we've interviewed quite a few actors and, and so often with these people that kind of, you lose touch of in Hollywood. It, it's for sometimes it's those reasons where they're like, forget it. I don't need this lifestyle anymore. It's too much, you know? Yeah. And, and Peta sounds to me like she would, would go on talk shows and would just kind of be brash and have attitude and, and, and do things off the cuff that would really you know, <laughs> irritate the uh, producers of the show, Ooh, the network. And I think she just was rubbing people the wrong way. And I think ultimately they're like, look, we don't, we don't need this. We don't need this headache. Um, you know? Well, and this all, also 24 would not exist without this show that everyone. No. So if, if, if PETA hadn't gone off the edge, then uh, there'd be no 24. <laughs> totally. Uh, I've spoken with John Cassar a few different times, you know, his credits include the Orville and continuum and nice. Uh, but yeah, this launched his career because before that he was just a cameraman and he would get to guest direct an episode once in a while and he would always have to go back. You've done five episodes of this. He's like, I've also done five episodes of Baywatch and this and that, but I'm most proud of Mickey because this is me <laughs> at my best giving you Hitchcock level suspense with some diehard action. You've got to watch it. And uh, again, you know, as we were talking before we got in here, you know, a lot of these actors descend into other stuff that the creators would work on and, yeah, Alberta Watson was one example, and yeah. that was what was so. Again, you haven't seen the other show, and we'll get to that in a minute. But she showed up on the other show as a similar character, and oh, cool. at one point she says something like, "My name was this," and it's like a nickname of the character she played on the '90s version. So I was like, "That was fun. That was a proper oh. homage done the right way, instead of, you know, hee hee, see what we did there, sneakily adding some people from another version." It was like. That's what you need to do. You know, it's not like if you were to do James Bond, you wouldn't just have, you know, Timothy Dalton or Pierce Brosnan show up and then not actually do anything. You would actually want them to kind of reference their earlier role without disrupting the storyline of the new version, whatever you got going. And yeah, homages are just dangerous. It seems like everyone will just kind of just fuck around and do whatever nowadays. And I'm like, no, a homage can be well done. You know, you can do a Brian De Palma type homage where he's like, okay, we got our own movie and, we're going to do a proper recreation of something that someone else we admire might have done. <laughs> that That's a really good point. Um, you know, it, it can be done really, really well, or it can be done terribly. <laughs> and it's cool that they brought... Oh, look at the newest versions of every other movie or show. The reason they're so divided is half the time they just feel like a fan film on a big budget. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I, I think uh, you're you're mentioning kind of the originality of 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 Nikita, or the the uh, the fact that it, it was trying to be something different, right? Um, yeah, it it is. If you watch the early, at least the first season, um, the the way it's shot is very cinematic for a syndicated se- well, not syndicated, but USA show. Um, USA was trying a lot of different things at that time. Uh, the, one of my favorite shows at that time was a show called G versus E and um oh good versus evil yeah yeah i love that show and and so but they would they would put out these interesting shows it's nice that that nikita lasted 5 seasons um yeah, i i i read one thing that was interesting the the 
depending on the season, the title of each episode would be that number of words for the season. So the first season oh, wow. was one word uh, for each title. The second was two words and so on and so on. I think that's and good versus cool. evil never did get a release on DVD. And it's keeps getting rediscovered, I think, because it was what Ronald D. Moore did in between his time on the Star Trek spinoffs before recreating Battlestar Galactica and doing Apple TVs for all mankind. So I'm, you would like to think someone has some of these other archive shows and can release them before anyone remotely interested, you know, dies. <laughs> wow. That's, I, that's cool knowledge. I didn't know that because on podcasting after dark, we just covered, I picked that show to oh, talk sweet. about on um, TV Obscura. We, we talk about obscure yes, TV shows. Do Obscura, so. which is great, but I, I didn't listen to that one. <laughs> right on that, that. That's cool. Yeah. I, I love, I love good versus evil G versus E and, um, uh, but yeah, USA, before they got into Monk and before they got into... Uh, Psych. Psych. And, <laughs> totally you know. recreated the whole show. We're a comedy channel now. We're not just stay up all night for the USA up all night guy. Too. Yeah, it's not edgy anymore. It's more oh, like yeah, CBS weird Sunday nights. <laughs> it's like their campy, so bad it's good material pretty much just went over to sci-fi. They didn't know what to do with it anymore. So they're like... And I know the guys who worked on Mr. Science, they did say, it's like a lot of that stuff was pretty much for USA up all night. And they're like, oh, you, we can give this to you. We're happy with it. And like, oh, these movies are too painful for even us. <laughs> you can have them. <laughs> right. Um, I, I wanted to point out the, uh, one of the guys in Nikita uh, who plays the, um, I'm just pulling it up right now so I don't lose it. Um, who plays Operations, uh, Eugene Robert Glazer. Because uh, I'm like, I know this guy. Why do I know that? Why have I seen this guy so many times recently? Well, right. uh, he he was in a. We just broke down a movie called Intruder on Podcasting After Dark, which is a dog. That movie is a dog. It's hard to watch, uh, but he's got a prominent role in it. And you what you see him in the movie, and you're like, this guy's too good of an actor to be in this movie. Um, <laughs> but he's good, man. Like he's been in, you know. He, I, I know we were kind of jumping all over the place, but the cast of Nikita is fantastic. It really was. And Alberta Watson died like of a long-term battle with cancer a few years oh, back. No. And it was just like, she had a cool voice. And I know you mentioned Edward and the Angry Inch. Oh, yeah, I the, love that. She was in that. And yeah. at, I remember when I was even introduced in 24 to my parents, there's like, who is this gal? You know, she's playing head of a counter-terrorist gal uh, agency and she's just really good at playing a gray area and just having something noble about her and just humane even though the character may not be necessarily like well that's a rare thing for any actor to be able to take on usually they can only do black or white like you know more agitation less agitation you know <laughs> and, and you, you look at her credits you know it included the heist film the lookout and Murdered in the Hamptons and this one gangster movie with Daniel Baldwin, which was pretty good. Um, but yeah, um, that was one hell of a actress. And I mean, the rest of the actors were also tough to keep up with, but they were pretty good as well. Um, yeah. And for PETA to come on this and like kind of be, I don't want to say the least experienced, but you know, having to, to lead a show like that, uh, with 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 uh, a level of acting across the board has got to be intimidating. I think yeah. too, you know, th there were so many dynamics going on with the plot throughout this th throughout this show in this season, um, romantic like 
you know, a lot of double crossing, con continuous double crossing in pretty much every single episode. How could you get bored with this character unless you no, just you never can't. wanted to do a spy show? But yeah, it is just one of those. I've never heard anyone talk about the behind the scenes. I'm sure they just can't without just there's being some defamation of character thing, if that's the rumor. But <laughs> and typically rumors are often by people willing to go that route. Like uh, I, I was even telling my folks the other day is like I've been an extra on everything you'll hear plenty of messed up stuff from the cameraman's or second grip, you know, <laughs> that the director or writer will never speak, you know, volumes about. Cause you know, again, you don't need to go encourage the bad blood continuously. No. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you had said you watched, uh, was this your, was this for you? Was the, was the TV show your gateway into Nikita or did you see the, the Luc Besson movie first? Oh, wait, sorry. You said point of no return was your first unfortunately that was there but i didn't give it a second thought and when i resaw it i i, I forgot it even more the second time because <laughs> okay. just like you you know i would i had bootleg cable and so it was always just fun just tuning into the unknown movies i was seeing parts of spin before i even knew i was actually watching spin awesome. i was like oh the guy's hosting a show oh a movie's on now oh okay now it all makes sense but yeah <laughs> it was just like yeah, it was like, I knew about Le Femme Nikita, but I, there wasn't anywhere to watch it, and it wasn't on DVD yet, and, you know, my father was busy, and I doubt my mother wasn't in a spy show, so I had no way of really seeing it, but I knew about it, and enough actors had been on it, so I would always see some kind of video clip of it somewhere, and it was in my knowledge, so my intro to it was the actual movie that started it all, because cool. at that point, there was this thing called Rapid Share during college in the 2000s, 2010s. And oh, I remember that. It was a great deal for finding lost archive stuff you couldn't otherwise find. And, you know, Luke Besson at that point, you know, he was pretty much the face of new wave cinema in the 90s. You know, people totally opening up portals to international stuff even more and more so. And that was before he started producing TV and had his own scandal. But at that time, yeah, it's like, that movie was pretty bold. It was cool to see how that's why Jean Reno got the Leon the professional role was by playing that, you know, you know, he played a likable hitman, you know, anti-heroin Leon. And here he's playing just ruthless psycho hitman there, but dressed very similarly. <laughs> and wasn't Harvey Keitel in the uh didn't he play the, Yeah? Oh my god. The role in the Oh man. And talk about another again. As you guys have said in your many gangster and crime, you know, themed episodes, especially in the, I think it was the King of New York episode. It's like, there's yeah. just so many criminal uh, portrayal, portraying actors. And that's just one. He's like, he's immortalized. He's done so much shit, but it never escaped him, you know? And that was one of them. It was like, yeah, better luck next time. I, you're so good, but the movie's so bad. I forgot you're even in it, you know? It's really a shame because I just really quickly, I, I just want to run through some of the other cast members. Miguel yeah. Ferrer is in is in is in Point of No Return oh, and I've... Bancroft and freaking Bancroft, right? Olivia Diabu uh, oh. from from uh, you know Ooh, uh, like, Living Daylights, uh, right? Living Daylights. Um, uh, Jeffrey Lewis, uh, character actor Jennifer. Actually, uh, wait, Olivia Diabo or is it Mariam Diabo? It My was bad. Olivia Diabo. Okay, so she's the psycho chick from Law and Order: Criminal Intent. <laughs> there, there you go. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, and Michael Rappaport was also in it. No! Yes, dude. Rappaport, and, my man. Yeah, podcaster. If you don't know who Jeffrey Lewis is, um, you know, his... Uh, double Impact. Yeah, Double Impact. 
yeah, any which way Julian Sad, who just passed away. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I mean, come on. Like, how can you not do something cool with this cast? How can you not make it more suspenseful? And it, it just tanked. Who was the studio? Was it Fox? Or was it Warner Brothers? Oh, well, and see, as behind the scenes, uh, Showdown in Little Tokyo, that would have been as 90. Uh, Showdown in Little Tokyo and Out for Justice were also known to have a lot of studio interference by producers by Warner Brothers at that time. So I would not be surprised if it was also a victim of that. And uh, clearly, it's you would probably be. have to do a Q&A with Bad M if you wanted to figure anything out. And that would be, you would have to really ask, can you please just spill the beans? What happened? You know? <laughs> it's yeah. It's got to, you know what? You probably hit the nail on the head because uh, what Showdown and Alfred Justice all came, and this one came out in 93. I want to say they all came out around the same time. So right. whoever was running Warner Brothers at that time, and I've heard, yeah, I've heard, uh, I was interviewing Ari Gross, who uh, has been in cool a ton guy. of things. But we talked so about creepy the movie. on the practice. Yes, totally. Uh, he 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 was in a movie called Coupe de Ville, and I said, why was that movie not bigger? And he goes, well, because the guy who, uh, uh, the guy who produced it, ended up becoming the head of Fox. Uh, left the studio so the, the original studio that released coupe de ville just shelved it and they and they held it back just to be dicks and they're still so, doing it we, we it's hear crazy about, though uh, uh, but now i don't even know why they release anything in the spring anymore it's such a joke now yeah, to where what's the point we know no one takes it seriously or it's movies that have been in the can for a while that we're just gonna die instantly it's like then don't release it just have it be direct video for all i care and we'll decide but don't make us spend money at a Metroplex and then be like, oh, I don't know why it didn't get received well. <laughs> yeah, the minute I saw Scream, the new Scream movie uh, coming in January, I'm like, so I'm never going to watch it. <laughs> oh, yeah, I didn't think I probably about that. Will. But I know what you mean. It, it, it does get to that point where it's like, this is tiresome, guys. I mean, it's just so cliche. You guys yeah. know, we know it. It's the marketplace is just, you know, and do you want this to collapse to where no everyone just gives up any everything now? <laughs> right. I do want to know now that you've said that, I want to know when uh point of no return came out. It came out in March. You're right, in the spring. <laughs> so there you go. They were doing it then, they're still doing it. And dude, you are a wealth of knowledge as well. My God. Thank you. Uh the Superman uh lives documentary was a big help. I know Lorenzo de Bonaventura, who now works often with you know Paramount and everything, said that marketing was just such a mess back then you know they were so used yeah. to Warner Bros. especially would lose money at the box office and then make it back on hbo repeats since sister company and it was just wow. like uh, and they're still doing it now i mean yeah. you heard uh, that's how the dc movies were handled where they yep. hired people from the honest trailers to re-edit a movie i'm like those guys are youtube videos they aren't film editors i mean but good I for those guys but seriously yeah uh I want to be known for a guy who had to force the studio to forge out twice the amount of money just to make a director's cut. <laughs> right? Oh my gosh. Uh, well, I will. I will say, bringing it back to uh, bringing it back to <laughs> Nikita. This, this, by the way, this is. I, I apologize for everyone listening. This is how I. No, it's fine. All my shows, Nikita, I deviate like crazy. Well, hell, um, Nikita was on CW, so yeah, she so, was their so superhero. Did you watch the Nikita show uh, yes, with Maggie Q? Yes, and I was reluctant at first, but I, I, I gave it a go. It was by uh, Danny Cannon, you know, who had done all the CSIs and everything, and had yeah, and much like Nikita, just a 
uh, every other Canadian actor you've seen, you know, on Highlander, X-Files, or Supernatural, and, you know, Stargate and Twin Peaks was pretty much on that show, and they killed it. They were just all great. It, it followed the Equalizer formula even more closely. Okay. Uh, and that's what was cool about it, is just having just that everyone at that point it was 2010 when it came out so they were pretty much following the whole yep. taken man on fire type formula and it never got full of itself it was always very short seasons and they pretty much had it be to where she was just finding other they gave you a better idea of the brainwashing capacity they used in the experiments and everything and she had so again like you say the Original 90s movie, pretty well done, had groundbreaking roles for Anna Perlot and Tiki Cario and a Bad Boys and GoldenEye fame and a rare, you know, good guy role. Yeah. And showed you how a thief could become a spy and reshape her life, redeem herself. You know, 90s show, changed it up, but still had a lot of just unusual Mission Impossible type, you know, scenarios and taking down terrorists and unusual saboteurs. This version was very cool in its own right. I knew many who swore by it, and this pretty much gave Maggie Q all the street cred she had. You know, she was already just popping up in unusual movies, Balls of Fury, Die Hard 4, Mission Impossible 3. But this, I think at this point, everyone was like, wow, we like her as a dramatic actress, and man, can she kick some fucking ass here? Totally. She did a lot of her own stunts, except for obviously the ones where no insurance is going to cover, where you're being thrown through a window onto a car. You know, it just can't happen. But (laughs) Uh, the casting was really dynamite, and every once in a while I'll see people uh, talk shit about uh, Devon Sawa. Uh, mm. I like Final, that dude. Final Destination fame, but I was like, uh, like, what was it? I think he was like in one of the Escape Plan sequels, and everyone was like, I don't buy him as a badass. I'm like, uh, if you've seen him on Nikita, you can totally buy him as a you know psycho killer turned antihero, you know, ally because <laughs> right. That was interesting, too, because, yeah, she's finding the most unusual comrade. She finds a hacker. I forget his name, but he's played by the guy who was uh, Pyro in the X-Men films. So that once again, Oh, yeah. Cool. yeah. And he was then on 12 Monkeys show. And it's like, but I'd seen him in a bunch of other just small parts and other indie films. It's like, okay, he's a good actor. and But I see him on that. And it's like, fucking hell, he can do comedy very well. <laughs> Right on. He's a sarcastic ass, and you love him. You want to see how creative he can be with the hacking. And that was just good casting in general. And the way the hacking was done on that show was it wasn't the overdone, edited, post-Matrix type stuff. It was more just kind of, there's like five levels to this. You know, you got to retrieve someone. Someone's got to get you this. And then there's mm-hmm. a backup plan here where instead of just breaking through the firewall and everything i gotta get like five different keys to this one thing you know <laughs> it was like thanos's glove you know with the stones and everything so it's like okay cool that makes it even more interesting this is kind of what nice. other shows like again equalizer or even prison break would do where it's like there's five different ways to do this are we going to do the mission like you know a bunch of street thugs would do it you know and that's part of the thing they'll never see that coming <laughs> Or is it going to be, again, more operative? Someone has snipers, someone, you know, is posing as a businessman. How are we going to do it? And so, again, it is tough to describe a spy show because what we're sounding sounds kind of generic. But when you actually see it, it is kind of just like, okay. You know, well, you're, 90s you're, one 
would do it so well by having like airport takeovers and what have you. And this one would also kind of do similar stuff, but keep it more kind of in the line of I, all eyes on the prize. You know, everything else is a distraction. Yeah. What I love, what I love about what you're saying though, and, and, and you know, you, you said it might be hard, it might be, it might sound generic, but I think the, the, the big, the big X factor is in the writing. Um, totally. you, you know, if you can sell this suspense, it's all about the suspense with the writing mm-hmm. and the best spy movies, TV shows that keep you captivated. You know, I think spy, spy, uh, the spy genre is so great for television because you can, the cliffhanger is is is, Always. is prime for spies. Who's going to fake their death? Who betrayed who? Who sold out? Who? Who has to flee to another country? You know, it's yep. always shit like that. Or, I, it, you can even do again, yeah, with the next week on Highlander. You know, you can do shit like that. Totally. Where it's like trapped behind enemy lines, no bullets left. What will he do? <laughs> no. Well, I think it all comes back that, or it comes down to the fact that when, speaking personally, when I was a kid and now as a dad playing with my GI Joes and creating <laughs> yes. spy scenarios, you oh, know, it, that stuff is awesome because, you know, suddenly this guy turns on you or she's a bad guy mm-hmm. or whatever. Like th- th- it's, it's, it's uh, rooted in your youth. I it's think. rooted everywhere. I mean, even the more serious episodes of the A-Team, you know, is like, yeah, everyone's dude. a fan of some kind of spy and it's kind of the same thing with this like when people say oh, i'm not really a fan of crime type stuff it's like well if you watch this set or gangster show or this show that has some detectives it's like clearly there's some aspect to it that you find interesting and this is it just standing out how do you make yourself stand out from the next say criminal minds or breaking bad so it's just like i think with spies it was always just comparisons were inevitable so what kind of a spy show are you? Yeah. Are you the equalizer? Are you James Bond? Or are you Mission Impossible? <laughs> yeah. Or are you then, all of the above? <laughs> and then you throw like a killing Eve in there and you go, well, that w- could have been better than it was. <laughs> yeah. I haven't been able to get into that, but it is kind of what it's like. I was thinking, it's like, so this is Nikita if she had a psychological breakdown and someone who may or may not be real. Pretty much. And that, that's why I bring it up. I, I think I, I bring it up for that for that simple fact that oh, no. I think I'm the same tr- way I'm a total sourpuss with my siblings they're like oh like why don't you like this one gambling filler I'm like I, I've seen it done before as Wall Street or Boiler Room I, I totally I, I, I it's just too when you've seen too many movies everything is ruined for you including the new stuff where it's like well I like it but I don't know why it has a higher rating than the classic I grew up with so pass <laughs> yeah yeah i i i, I might have been film. podcasting after dark i was talking about the movie three days of the condor and uh, yes it, it's it's my it's my personal uh favorite spy movie um, oh totally and i was pissed off when i saw people who only heard of it when they knew that the creators were uh, captain america and the winter soldier were referencing it i'm like so now it matters to you. Okay. Yeah, now it matters to you. I thought oh. you were going to say you only heard, uh, you were, you were pissed when people who only heard about it when they, they did a terrible remake with Mira Sorvino called Condor. <laughs> I had fun with it, but no, I it's haven't bad. seen season two, so it might be even worse. <laughs> Dude, I mean, I'm like, really? You, you, the, you had the source material there and you just <laughs> cue that flushing sound, you know? <laughs> I gotta oh. check out. I, I've been wanting to check out the Nikita uh, show with Maggie Q because she, yeah, you're right. She is phenomenal. 
Um, it's pretty much why she got her new movie, the uh, what was it? Not the Courier. The was it the Courier? The yes, protege. Yes. The protege. Yeah. She would not. Uh, had she not admitted on that, or even designated survivor as the badass FBI agents uh, investigating someone who might be trying to assassinate a president? You know, it's like, yeah, I don't think she would have gotten the protege at all. And, no, and uh, written by Richard Wenk, who wrote yeah. the Equalizer movies, mm-hmm. uh, and, and directed Vamp. Yeah, Vamp. There you go, classic cult movie. And you know, Wings just the man in general, just a very friendly guy. I mean, you know, you're awesome. You made it when you're cameo in, in your own movies. <laughs> no doubt, man. I mean, how 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 often do you see screenwriters get into cameo in their movies? No, I don't see it all all that often. If anything, they'll just appear as like a photograph, like on a suspects list or some shit, or just name someone after crew members. But yeah, and. It's very interesting how the whole process, how people choose to be creative or could be more creative, but aren't. But yeah, uh, I, I don't think half of these shows would even exist without the 80s Equalizer or any version of Nikita. There's definitely some hunger for it. I mean, yeah. when I saw the Taken TV show, I was actually impressed by it. I did, and I was very surprised because I didn't think the ads were engaging. And by that point, the franchise was being done to death. And yeah. When I saw it, I'm like, okay, so this is Lefemme Nikita Equalizer, but in Taken form, showing an origin yeah, of a ca- beloved character <laughs> and doing the same kind of missions. One mission, he's getting someone out of a war zone. The next mission, he's finding out who killed, you know, someone, yada, yada. It's just like, and then at the end, there's some serialized assassination plot that ties it all together. So, yeah. Uh, well, I think it's, like you said, these shows wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the original source material of you know french new wave pushed that envelope it really you know, did when people think of luke Besson, they think oh yeah fifth element right and the professional but la femme nikita people should definitely go back and revisit that um because even military is- shows go by a spy arc yeah get in, absolutely get out someone will be captured and tortured to death and lose a hand and you see all this awesome gore and you'll feel bad for enjoying all the violence and then yeah they redeem themselves and someone else who's done war crimes may or may not redeem themselves or they'll sacrifice themselves in a fury explosion. It's all awesome bloodlust in these kinds of things, but they go by back to the spy booklet and some of it is Hitchcock and like you say, Condor influence. Yep. Other times it just seems to be, we read the first few pages of a Forsyth or a Clancy novel and that's just what you get. <laughs> yeah, man, you are, you are, um, sparking so many ideas in my head as we're, we're isn't know. a spy mo- novel fun to write I, i've everything i've pretty much write in screenwriting class almost always involved assassins and it does well, suck because when you write action in a screenplay you know it's just frowned upon because all that consists is so and so shoots someone and i hate it i'm like i want to describe what they do because body language is everything to me just like an acting performance so <laughs> i hate the rules of screenwriting they don't totally. work for well, action movies. <laughs> I will tell you, I interviewed um, I interviewed Tom Holland, not, not the Tom I know. Spider-Man. That was a great interview. Um, uh, yeah, uh, he directed uh, Fright Night for everyone wondering in Child's Play. and uh, But he wrote Cloak and Dagger, which that is my favorite all-time family movie. But that is a spy movie, a kid spy movie. Part like, of the Fight Club universe. Yes. <laughs> forget forget about forget about Spy Kids. Go watch Cloak and Dagger oh with Dabney God, Coleman and um, 
you know, uh, the kid from ET and uh, Henry, Henry, Thomas. Henry Thomas. Thank you. Uh, that movie is is a kick-ass film with serious suspense throughout, and it, it's a spy. That's a spy movie, or or a th- just a thriller, I guess. But um, you it's know, down. To, it's so good. So everybody should go check that out, <laughs> and then go watch Little Femme Nikita, the movie. Yes. And don't you like how, like, after this, like, regardless of who's seen it, you kind of see spy movies, kind of they invest that NSA equivalent, and you see it in video games, like Cyclone totally. Filter, Metal Gear Solid, Splinter Cell, and it's just, it's always wild, it's like, there's that extra sh- shady agency, we don't talk about them, unless you're in deep shit, and they would always play that out, and it's like, ooh, you know, and that's why I liked even how some sci-fi and horror shows would play that up a bit. There's these other men in black. There's these other Gestapo who are policing the police or doing all this other additional stuff or handle matters of this dangerous a nature. <laughs> have you seen, uh, have you seen, you've seen Sneakers, right? Yes. I, I, th- I think Sneakers would not exist without movies lo- like that or shows like this. Uh, that is for sure. And the, you know, the NSA one. angle, that's the first time I heard about the NSA. Really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that there's another one who you know that's where spy movies also would kind of bring in a heist aspect to it and it's like oceans of love would not exist without this damn movie even spy game wouldn't exist without this <laughs> yeah would would you say would you call sneakers a hybrid then of a spy of the spy genre uh totally like a meta spy movie is like it's okay an assassination movie it's an organized crime movie and then yeah, yeah. it does sneak in yeah they're stealing something but it's not for personal gain it's just to pretty much you know double cross the double crossers <laughs> yeah if anyone's wondering uh sneakers has, stars robert redford Sidney poitier rest in peace dan Aykroyd, river phoenix rest in peace uh james yeah. jones david stratherin i mean he's got an a-list cast oh yeah I, and i doubt david strathern would have been in the born identity movies had he not been in sneakers <laughs> oh hell no no you're right you're right oh and um of course uh um, reed regurgitation itself probably wouldn't exist you know right because and ben kingsley also i forgot about ben kingsley yeah and uh james earl jones in an uncredited featured cameo is like right and no one knew he was in it even though wasn't he partially in the trailer i think he was or his voice was in it so there you go no one knew who that mysterious voice was of cnn <laughs> have you ever tried doing a james earl jones impression for your I've tried, but it's very hard. <laughs> no, I, I will. I will tell you a fun fact. Um, they will remain nameless, but a but a uh, a, a, a podcast um, uh, shouted uh, me out at one point and said, "You know, how come you're not booking guests for my show?" And I'm like, "I don't even really know you guys, you know." And uh, and they said, "Can you get us a celebrity for our show?" So I I I did a bad um, Sean Connery impression this links up with spies because you know he's 007 sean connery obviously is not alive anymore (laughs) so when i was younger uh there used to be this 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 thing for your phone called 555 tell if you dialed those numbers in it would be a basically yelp for uh for your phone and you could ask it it's kind of like movie phone you know you could ask it a question (laughs) uh pizza place in sunnyvale hey siri what the fuck (laughs) <laughs> totally, totally. So, uh, but if you if you said blackjack, you would play celebrity blackjack against a bad uh, Sean Connery impression. You know, he's like, <laughs> hello, welcome to blackjack. Here's your cards. You've got an eleven and a seven for eighteen. I've got 
11 and a 10 for 21. I win. You lose. <laughs> you know, so, so anyways, I did this bad, like uh, Sean Connery impression for, for them and sent it to them. And they're like, yeah, oh, thanks. <laughs> so anyways, just had to put that out there. Oh, man. Revenge is a dish. Best served cold. Yes. So, uh, five, five, tell if anyone's curious, you can play blackjack against uh, Sean Connery. Man, does anyone even play games like that on their phone anymore? I don't like, know, but it seems like everyone wants to do bullshit. Like, I, I bring up Candy Crush, and it's like, well, I'm just an example of just stupid, just mindless stuff. You never gain anything from it. Mafia Wars, no. pretty lame. You ice random dickheads five countries away, you don't even know, and it's like. I'm not even playing the game against you, motherfucker. Oh, man. I feel like, yeah, spy movies just pretty much remind me how boring spy video games can be in the wrong hands. It's like, yes. Uh, so I've never played, I've never played GoldenEye, but people say that it's the greatest uh, 007 game ever. Mm, I don't, have debatable. you played it? I would play some of it at a friend's house before I even got into Bond. And personally, I prefer everything or nothing. Okay. <laughs> Because that was an original storyline. It wasn't based on any of the movies. It had Brosnan come back. It had William Defoe as the villain. And he actually looked like the villain. Really? Yes. Oh, uh, cool. Yeah, original theme song composed by Maya, of all people. And it was just, it had a fun multiplayer where basically you would just go around and just pick up various objects and just fun-ass game. And the relation to this is, yes, also Sean Callery of Nikita scored the theme. And it was really addicting piano. Really cool. So, Look at look at you tie it all in. I had you're, to. I had you're to. But good. You're but, good. Uh, good way. In fact, you got us started on this whole thing on how are spy movies just becoming too generic, or have we just do we have good premises but we don't know how to explain it? You yeah. know, are we giving it to people who have only worked on born identity taken type stuff and they don't even know why it works anymore? But they're just hired because we want your film to look like this and look like this. Copy and paste. Same thing as typecasting. You know? Yeah. Well, I, I think, I think uh, to be honest with you, I thought Taken kind of almost jumped the shark at that point. When that movie came out, I'm like, is this it? I think this is as far as we can go. Um, but then right. television series, like I said earlier, Hannah, uh, I'm, it's on its second or third season now. I can't believe it. Based off a cult spy movie that you know was a cult hit. Um, yeah. Do you I, ever in, see the unit? Uh, no, but I, I'm aware of it. So CIA trained Delta Force thing, and when I see stuff like Strike Back or some other international British show, it's like, yeah, they're taking their cue from shows like this. It's not just you know NCIS or Nikita. They're actually <laughs> trying to be. Again, one of those international men on a mission things. But yeah, no, that's a good point too. There, there's a, it seemed like Taken's influence is on pretty much every other spy show nowadays, especially yeah. uh, ones that are like comebacks for an actor. That's kind of the inside joke too. It's like, okay, so-and-so's Taken because they're playing, you know, in a comeback role, playing a middle-aged ass kicker. <laughs> ben Affleck's back. Oh, really? Okay, he's not. <laughs> Oh, good. No offense. <laughs> well, and who would have thought John Krasinski on uh, The Office would make a great Jack Ryan? I don't. I no way, man. I would never thought that that would that would have flown flown at all. And then I saw that. I'm like, that's not going to be good. And it's really good. <laughs> well, and just the writers they attach to that. Um, it's a shame that it's been almost two years and season three's been delayed. But yeah, 
I, I got faith, <laughs> especially with the new showrunner they picked. I was like, oh, he's got a good body of work. <laughs> it's going to happen. It'll happen. And hopefully they can tie it all together without remorse. <laughs> yeah, Show no how doubt. Rainbow Six gets formed <laughs> in a modern day era. Who, what would be the modern day, if you had to have a Nikita and like still Team Six type team, what would it even look like? Would it just be all the action heroes we've come to love in the recent 2000s? You know, would it be the Expendables? What would it be? <laughs> I, I mean, I heard, I don't know if it's been confirmed, but I, I know that um, Amazon's working on a Lady J. Uh, TV series. Oh, really? And mm-hmm. and I I have my son recently got back into GI Joe, nice. and uh, and I've deep I've deep delved into the characters and the backstories of some of these things. They're so well written, uh, at least the comic book version of these characters. And yeah, even I, the cartoon version. I mean, they did as good as you could get in a Saturday oh, morning cartoon. Hell, absolutely. You could turn Nikita into a Saturday morning cartoon. It didn't matter if it was you for could. kids or for teens or adults. It would work. Cause you could. The material is there. You can get it as twisted as you want and get to 10 episodes. And yeah. now you just got to worry about the animation. Yeah. I, I, look, I, I'm, I would say that the spy and uh, kind of militaristic uh, genre, it, it's, it's a little past me currently right now. I'm not watching that, that many shows. But so that in mind... Um, I do. I'm not big on the Expendables. Uh, oh, good. Lineup. It's just a homage show. It's barely what you would call an actual, you know, movie. Well, it's I just, just wish. I feel like they missed the boat. I feel like they just needed a better uh, Expendables two. It's funny because Richard Wank wrote Expendables two. He did rewrites, but yeah, I mean, he did rewrites. Yeah, he did a better job with the mechanic thing. I think. I I think so too. I feel like that could have been done a lot better. I like the idea of. Um, of a of an older crew, I like seeing older people uh, in that role. Maybe that's because I'm 45 and I'm like, we can still go. Come on. <laughs> no, I'm with you. I'm getting tired out every time, especially when half the time I'll see a fun tribute to a star from the 80s and 90s making a comeback, and it just doesn't ignite for whatever reason. I've seen, you know, I, I check out anything with Pierce Brosnan and yeah. He did a cool movie called The November Man that claimed it would get yes. a sequel and it never will. But Great I've seen movie. him in totally. And I've seen him in other stinkers where I'm like, well, just it wasn't meant to be. You're great in it, but the material just wasn't there. And I think it's just kind of just the same way with half these other guys is like just see them in the comeback roles, but they just didn't have a script that was worthy of their talent. But yeah, despite and I just don't know where the money goes. Is it really just for the shooting fees and the camera work and the actor's day rate? I guess. Because I know they're now paying, like, for all these TV shows that have all these big stars attached, like, they pay out the ass for that now. It used to be your movie actor or TV actor. And I think Maggie Q is definitely part of the successful crew of people who were both on the big and small screen simultaneously and their career kept rising. But, um, yeah, I mean, I see that with, uh, like, Yellowstone. I saw an article that had highest-paid TV actors, and Kevin Costner was number one. He was making $30 million an episode. Not per wow. season, an episode. Everyone else is getting paid shit. You know, the typical $450 for the day fee. I'm like, fuck. I would hate wow. being on that show. But, yeah, it's like, so I'm wondering where the investments are going. Is it really for the actors, you know, to basically be paid a giant-ass salary for the year? What, what is the... I, I get that they do invest based on the names and that's why half the time 
especially you've seen it on the movies you do where it's like love this actor but they're totally miscast here but yeah you know the investor clearly thought hey your name means this much in brazil or bulgaria or japan i don't know um we want to talk about spy franchises that are still going i really like the i know i get that it's a lowbrow title and it's a direct-to-video series for the most part but i really love the sniper series with tom berenger oh dude fucking ass in that and some people do or do not know about that. And Sniper's like, great. And the original is great. And it's going back to the same deal. Get in, get out, you know, lose a finger. <laughs> right. And I, I guess a lot of people like spy stuff, but they don't know why it's good. It's kind of the same thing when you watch an awesome gangster or doctor show. You don't know why you like it, but if you actually do a deep dive into it, you can understand what makes a difference. And yeah. There's a reason St. Elsewhere is different from, say, ER. You know, mm-hmm. ER is a formula, while St. Elsewhere is just a bunch of crazy antics that happen to be at a hospital. You know, it's a big yeah. ass difference. That would be like comparing Barney Miller to Law and Order. It's not the same kind of cop show. So I think Sniper's Spy Show's one, same kind of deal. It's like people don't know if they want the A team or if they want Nikita or the Equalizer. <laughs> right. It's, it's nice to know that the genre is wide enough to encompass all of those. I would hope. And yeah, and w- that's a good one to, to bring up. Sniper is, is definitely one people should revisit if they've never seen it. I think because it, it, it's, it's, like a, it's like a video game come to the screen, you know? So, it really was. Before yeah. that was a thing, I don't think the movie Shooter with Marky Mark would have existed, even though no it was way. based on a novel. It's like, and, and after that, I did start seeing, just like Dolph Lundgren did a few different movies even yep. overseas where he was playing a merc who was a proficient sniping specialist and so i think yeah there's all these ingredients that people know and love that and you ask anyone who writes action movies they're like a giant fan of like anime or movies and shows and so mm. there's clearly someone who knows the formula but i guess it must just be hard to get some of these pitched to the right studios and or again you'll pitch it to them and they'll say no and they'll steal your idea so right it's easy to do too Oh, well, uh, any other closing thoughts on where do you think Nikita would go? Hell, okay, so here's the scenario for you. Let's yeah. say 30 years go by, streaming is way out of control and oversaturated, even more so now. Who would you cast in a reboot of Nikita? Oh, great question. Okay, so maybe not 30 years, but just some other modern-day actor you'd like to see. You know, Assume that kind of similar role. Who would be their informant who their mentor and who would be their enemy who knows all their secrets and tries to frame them for an assassination (laughs) yeah because it's got to be somebody who's versatile and who can go and i don't want to go the obvious route with like a scarlett johansson um although you could probably get Florence pogue i know she's beloved for that thing but i mean even after you get that midsummer out of the way she seems very proficient with accents so you could that's a good one wow yeah that's a really good call um like that a lot or where you take somebody who's maybe a little a little softer maybe um, one of the mara girls you know one of them was in girl with the dragon tattoo you know what that's a good one too i was she thinking of um i was thinking i i love uh oh, what's the name of that horror film uh it follows um, oh that one her, was... i think her name's micah monroe yeah, Mika, 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 Micah or Mika. She's uh, cute. Yeah, and but she's got like 
she's got a, a mysteriousness about her that's really intriguing. Um, so go. I'd go with her. How about that? Please. <laughs> All right. So who will play the mentor? The badass who used to be but can't kick ass no more. <laughs> well, I tell you what. I interviewed Cynthia Rothrock recently, oh. and she – she's a she's first of all she's a cool person she's so cool such, such a cool person she can fucking go dude i'm sorry if i'm not supposed to swear on this but no she why would go. i dude i've listened to your show why would i i'm marked explicit why would i prevent you from speaking <laughs> there you go me? yeah no she can go man so and i tell you what uh I, i'm a huge like i I grew up watching these straight-to-video movies in the 90s. Oh, like, why are these people not on the big screen? Even people who were watching it without realizing they were watching it. You know, it, it would come on all the movie channels, even if you didn't see it at the video store opening, you know, cell date. And, yeah, Ross Rock, I mean, she could have had the giant career. She was, like, attached to, like, a Stallone project that, like, became a specialist. And, yeah, and compared to some of the other guys, I think she and Don the Dragon Wilson have been very – just good sports. They could have had yep. the big career. I mean, even Dolph Lundgren came around, I think, after he noticed that studios would keep mishandling his movies. He's like, okay, so I'll always be He-Man and Drago from Rocky, but I'm I got okay this other... <laughs> yeah, and I got this... Uh, and I know you guys aren't as big on him, but... I, oh, I am. Oh, yeah. Okay. I thought... You weren't digging I mean, him on I come in peace, so I mean... <laughs> I would tell you, I come in peace, he doesn't do it for me. Uh, All right. And I, it's 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 you're right drago he-man don't get me wrong i didn't watch his movies for the longest time because the covers of his movies were terrible yes he just looked like a schwarzenegger wannabe and so i was like this guy looks good but boy howdy and this is before i realized imdb rings were bullshit but it'd be like hmm that does look kind of cheap there's a flatness to him in his delivery i'm just gonna yeah i'll be i'll be very diplomatic about that (laughs) it's fine i I think he's come a long way at trying different accents and everything, but there are some movies where it's like, yeah, it doesn't matter what dialogue he says, where it's like that the scripts just can't work. And I think all the martial artist guys suffer from just, I see Alex Nevsky now as this new guy and he's basically aping the career of Schwarzenegger. And truth be told, I think he's worse than Yule Ball. (laughs) I, I get that he's a nice guy, but it just, the production value is rushed. The, the homages are just worse than any of the lesser moments in Expendables to where it's just like, okay, this is today's directed video is not the same as early peak directed video. Cause this is when no. they were creative and they didn't know if, if it would go to the video store shelf versus playing a theater in Utah for yep. you know, five months. So right. uh, yeah. And unfortunately, why do we watch them? They got very interesting ideas. There's a reason full moon sold out. They rocked. No they, doubt. They knew how to appeal to every kind of audience and Agreed. they won every time. So uh, I think, yeah, Rothrock and Don the Dragon Wilson are just both just pros. Gary Daniels, I know, was one where he Gary thought, Daniels. yeah, he's a great guy. And he thought his career would take off with being in a Jackie Chan movie and Fist of the North Star and that didn't work out. So he slowly kind of, you know, after doing PM Entertainment type stuff, which were known for their, they were like Michael Bay on steroids. They had multiple car flips and. Oh, yeah. Giant Y'all should sports. check out PM Entertainment. <laughs> They're oh, great. Totally. Absolutely. Crazy shit. Everyone should watch them. Firepower with Chad McQueen and Gary Daniels. <laughs> yes. And, and, Michael. and Jim Helwig, a.k.a. The Ultimate Warrior. Go check that out. 
<laughs> Michael Madsen was even in an interview saying he got tricked into doing those movies. I'm like, well, they're the best action movies of your career, dude. So you can shut up. <laughs> Redline. I think he did a movie Redline with uh, with Chad McQueen. I think it maybe something like that. And anyways, my my friend Joe Estevez. That's right, Martin Sheen's younger lookalike brother from Soul Taker was in one of them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> guy who tows their car. A funny guy. Um, Robert Zadar, I think, is in there somewhere as a hitman yep. and the maniac cop. Um, I was fortunate enough to interview Lena, uh, Lane Levitt, who was best known for his wife, was uh, Debbie Evans, double Linda Hamilton in Terminator 2, and he was the oh, T-1000 nice. stunt double. But yeah, he's got a long, giant-ass career, and he talked. <laughs> I, I quizzed him about the PM stuff, and he was not digging. He's like, yeah, so those were basically student films with a oh. budget for explosions that Ouch. we got paid for. And I was like, Hilarious. I can understand, because I mean... The guys behind it were Vegas businessmen, but I still kind of secretly wish we had people like them or the Israeli guys at Millennium Films or Kurlako, you know, who produced Rambo and T2. It's yeah. like, it would be cool to have some of those other guys come on in every once in a while. Because you notice this all the time when you're looking at the logos and opening credits. It's like, there's a bunch of independent companies that keep popping out of nowhere. And you're like, whoa, whoa, where'd they come from? How they get all these giant names and acquisitions right. of all this content? But and then some of them fold. I know Sony had a few different ones. I'm like, what happened to that one? Oh, it's closed down after two years. Wow, that's bad. But I, I do wonder if there's some other creative types out there who could actually form a company and hit the ground running because there's so many of these scripts that are still on the blacklist that have not been produced for over 30 years, but still totally. could rock. Yeah, and agreed. you wonder if it's just people don't know how to market it or if it really is just that bizarre deal where it's like I, I can only hire expensive people who have you know will ask for 20 million who have been a giant blockbuster hit movie just reboot nikita again no. there you go please oh hell have jean reno be the mentor in this one that'll be a fun, oh nice there you go that'll be a fun throwback and come to think of it he was on a very awesome uh cop show called joe which had Olivia Diabo playing her Law and Order evil character on it, and I was like, "Wow, this is awesome!" It's like six episodes, and they canned it all because oh. the distribution deal fell through. But I bring it up because I think it was produced by uh, Gamont, which owned the rights to the Nikita character. Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of wild how they and Luke Besson had a falling out, and that's why we'll never get the sequel, the proper sequel we were destined to have from Leon the Professional and instead we got Colombiana. Oh, it's a bummer. And you said it's called Joe? Yeah. I don't know if anyone can find it anywhere. It used to be yeah, on Yeah, I'll look it up. I'll look it up at, offline, but that sounds I cool. think you can definitely find it somewhere and it's they speak English, so you might have a partial French dub you might find on some other sites, but yeah. Uh, right on. The international deals is what I was just trying to lead into. They seem to just be very fluffy, very weird for shows that are produced in other countries or with a multi-country contract and uh, fortunately it seemed like Nikita was one of the many that was successful broke through yep. that Canadian American contract and I don't know if we can ever replicate that in any other country it seems like everyone's hesitant to do it in other places so I don't know yeah that's that yeah there's a lot of what-ifs there <laughs> mm-hmm well, thank you for breaking down. Uh, this uh, was cool to just kind of just break down a show that 
defy genre expectations, production expectations, even stardom expectations. <laughs> Some people just don't want it. So, I mean, uh, if you guys are listening, please reboot it and have it not suck. <laughs> well, and thanks for having me on to talk yes, about. Please Nikita. plug. It uh, was great. Uh, I mean, this th- this was very free form and that's kind of my style anyways. I love it. And, um, and, and yeah, it really you're, was, you're a casual you, guy. You like to do a round table and it's like, it's, right. It's and you brought up a lot of, uh, a lot of titles and movies and care and actors. And we're like, I'm, I'm going to be busy offline now. I'm going to be looking a lot of stuff up, but uh, again, man, <laughs> up all night. I'm going to two hours of sleep. <laughs> no, it's all good. <laughs> no, no. It's all good. No, thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. And uh, this this was a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you raced it, my friend. I've been looking forward to this. And uh, please plug away. What is Podcasting After Dark got besides that awesome interview? Yeah, no, we got, we got a Podcasting After Dark. We got, uh, we're breaking down the From Beyond, Stuart Gordon's From Beyond. That's the next one we're going to be doing. Yes. Uh, like I said, we're a deep dive into scene by scene of, of a movie. We just did Scanners, David Cronenberg's Scanners. Um, that's a cult movie show uh, that everybody should seek out. Mm-hmm. $2 Late Fee is an 80s nostalgia podcast. We have an upcoming interview with Barry Bostwick from Megaforce. Uh, we actually just interviewed this guy named Luca Bercovici, who is the director of Ghoulies. But if you look up his resume, you'll know who he is. Yes. Um, he, he was in a movie called American Flyers, which is directed by John Badham, bringing it back to point of no return. Uh, we're going to be breaking that one down too in February. And then upcoming for March, we've got Martial Art Madness, where we yes. talk about different martial art movies. Uh, that's going to be fun. So anyways, <laughs> podcasting after dark dot com two dollar late fee dot com check out all the shows on the network it's dynamite yeah you yeah. know something for everybody uh there's talking back there's all these other ones talking it's, back the cartwright podcast there's um uh, action action fee. yes and action action has been really good especially when they do the free form it's like oh yeah throwback trivia takedown is a fun one too and uh yeah they're all ready to retro ready to retro is a uh, friend of ours podcast that's great too but all that good stuff Uh, podcasting after dark is a part of the bfop network and um blast from our past so go check us out bfop.com i think it is uh or you just go to podcasting after dark and you can all links are there as well acing it my man thank you keep remaining safe out there and have yourself a quality movie you actually want to review <laughs> no more sideboard repeats. Can't keep doing that. <laughs> oh no, hell! No more no, deep hurtings. No, nope, I got the man. Blu-ray director's cut of it. I don't know what kind of torture I'm in. If it's even a fucking difference, you know, some movies just like Highlander too just cannot be rescued. You can watch them and laugh at them, but they cannot. It doesn't. Yeah. If you recut it five different times and it still makes no sense, it's just like yeah. even David Lynch is rolling in his grave. Yeah. When he gets via con Dios, as I would normally say, so via <laughs> con Dios on that. <laughs> Thank you so much, man. Um, yes, yeah. And happy Assassin Day to you. Looking sounds forward to sounds good. <laughs> we'll return after these messages. Hey, feeling down? Feeling low? Not enough podcasts about movies in your life. Why not try? They must be destroyed on sight! 
the new podcast cure-all, sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living. We have exploitation, we have Italian horror, we have zombies, we have slashers, we have crime films, we have spaghetti westerns, we even have sci-fi and sex comedies. So take a dose of... They must be destroyed on sight! As needed, and let the hosts, Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host, cure what ails you. Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin puff, colic, cramp colic, dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening. Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Ah, necrophilia. It's a dead issue, man. Don't don't push it. Cinema PsyOps is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, crudes. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in you. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. Oh, I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get it's out of. Unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this movie. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you shouldn't be. I'm not entirely sure even 17 year olds should be watching this. Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this like little nerd glee with everything that kept little history doll yeah, popping up absolutely. at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped watching this shit at twelve years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was. How did you watch movie. this shit at twelve? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. Hey everybody, I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. And we're the hosts of Podcasting After Dark, a cast dedicated to late-night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s, often found on HBO and Cinemax. You know, the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid. You can find us every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. This is what you want. This is what you get. It's time, let's check our cue, baby. Pair it with a couple brews, baby. We love good movies. We love the bad ones, too. So we watch them all and pass their lessons on to you. Oh, yeah. Everything I learned from movies with a one last plot holes a gratuitous boobies It's time to get busy with your friend Stephen at eilfm.podbean.com We now continue with our program Follow us on the web on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram 
The podcast is available on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor, Apple, and anywhere else podcasts are available. Feel free to review our show and leave comments on any of those sites. Thanks a million for listening. It's a jacked up.